This episode is powered by denmeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host. I am the founder of Den Meditation, and I get to chat with our very favorite Julie Piat, Srimati. She's been here a couple times before. If you haven't caught it, please go back. We did an amazing episode um, about kind of how to deal with finances when we were stuck in the middle of COVID. She got herself out of some dark, dark financial times um, through devotion. So it's another take on ways to get out of that. So we have a couple episodes with her. So please go listen to those as well. But today we just get to chat and catch up and it is great. I mean, Julie is incredible. She is an amazing meditation teacher. She is a musician. She's a mother. She's an artist. She is a chef. She has these incredible cookbooks and she also also is the founder of Shrimu Cheese, which is plant-based cheese that tastes and looks unbelievable. And stay tuned because we do give you guys a discount code um, because you want to partake in this cheese. Trust me. Um, she is just out of this world, literally. She is like our mother we all wish we had. She has such a beautiful take on all. We talk about relationships in a deep way. She walks with two feet firmly planted on this ground, but don't let it fool you. That woman knows everything that's going on spiritually, esoterically, energetically. And that's why it's so fun to pick her brain. And she's one of my favorite guests to always have on. Hope you enjoy this episode. Anyway, I'm so happy to be sitting down with you. I swear, if we lived in the same city, like the last conversation we had on the podcast was one of my favorite connections. And we're just such kindred spirits. And, you know, I was so excited to come on the show again. So thank you for inviting me. But um, I love you so much. I can't even. And for, you know, she just mentioned it. You guys should go back. We've done two amazing episodes with you. It was, listen to this, which I found fascinating when I looked back. Number 144 and 155. Wow. And what number is this going to be? Oh, that I don't know. But, well, you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot. (laughs) But isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. You know, it's so beautiful how... We are all so connected and we, you know, we have these connections and relations from other timelines and it's like we travel in soul groups and in many different ways, but I really feel like, you know, when you, when you come across those humans that share that fabric, that core fabric, it's like we could never talk for 15 years and just slide right back in, you know? So I couldn't agree more. You know what? It's funny because I didn't expect we would start here, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was relationships because I was like, you're such a beautiful mama bear in so many ways. And one of the things that I've always admired about you in general is your honesty. Like you're complete. You just put it out there. You're super honest. And I remember in the first podcast, we talked a little bit about, you know, how, how, what your, you know, evolution through relationships was And then when you got to Rich, how it was an interesting, I think you said something to the effect of like a blend of polarities. And that was like your lesson at the time. And I similarly was in a very similar boat in understanding it. And it just made me think so many people now, having gone through this pandemic, their relationships have changed big time. Um, 
talk to me a little bit about how your guys' relationship has changed and where you're at, because I feel like you've always spoken so honestly about where it's hard, where you've had to pull back, where you've had to kind of push, where you've embraced, how you guys are so different. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that's a lot of what we talk about on that episode with Rich. And, you know, I have to say that I was, a, this one was um, very vulnerable um, because we had been through the pandemic energy, you know, the energy that wants to separate, that wants to annihilate anything that is beautiful, that just is working to make us, you know, fracture and fight and judge and analyze and, you know, all of these things. And I mean, I have to be, you know, just because I'm an honest person and I, I, it's kind of just something in my makeup. I, I can't really be any other way. Um, you know, I felt that violence in my own home. It was definitely running in the differences between Rich and I and the way that we approach wellness or, you know, his intellectual um, orientation contrasted with my devotional knowing. Um, and there were moments where, you know, uh, let's just say the masculine energy was trying to solve the problem and they got into that vibration of canceling or um, sort of, uh, disrespecting infant, infantile, making, you know, it like infantilization. Is that even a word? But, you know, uh, just not honoring the feminine. It is now I made it. Um, you know, just not honoring the feminine. And it, it was, it was intense. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a little thing. I don't think it was a little thing for any of us. And again, I went into warriorous mode and, I assumed a frequency of uh, extreme neutrality and this devotion to my heart and the full embodiment of me, of, of what I bring, of what my energy is. And I held that and I held it knowing that we are going through a deep transformation and that these processes must be traversed in order to emerge and um, and there are many different perspectives that are present in any one moment. It's not one or the other. It's not, you know, it's not a political party. It's not a medical choice. Like it's much more complex than that. And so understanding that, um, you know, just that that we can be in relationship, that we can be in community with people who do not. Uh, share our choices or share our perspective, really. Um, so this was pretty vulnerable because, you know, I mean, whenever you go through these times in a relationship and, you know, let's be honest, maybe a lot of us were questioning, like, are we going to stay in this relationship? You know, should we stay in this relationship? Is it going to survive? And I think one of my superpowers is understanding that if you're in a relationship and if you've had some amazing life experience, which, which contains within it magnificent gifts of love and sharing and, you know, co-creation and children and whatever it is. Um, it is really a powerful weapon, like a weapon of the light to put a name to those doubts, you know, at the appropriate time hmm. to have the courage to say, you know, um, I've, I've, you know, in ownership, but like, I've been wondering, or I've been feeling this way, or because it's like that thing. It's like when you have um, a secret 
or you have um, a dis-ease and it goes unnamed, it can have its own life. You know, it can, it can gather strength. Um, and if you name it and call it out, you know, in neutrality without, you know, as neutral as you can in as safe space as you can, um, with, with ultimate respect, you know, and really owning your own sovereign place. I think if you have the courage to talk about it, it opens a field of possibilities. And so I was talking with, go, go ahead. You were going to ask. No, you you might be going right into what I was going to ask you. <laughs> oh no. So, you know, we I was going to say, so did you actually sit, sit down? I was going to say, um, did you actually sit down and like, bring it up with him? Well, there, you know, I will say that during the, during the, during the war, no, during, during the, during the intensity <laughs> of the agendas, um, I suggested a few times, like, let's commune, let's get together. And, and, um, you know, this is my experience that so you would have to ask him his experience, but he just didn't want to mm -hmm. go on that hike with me. <laughs> because he was afraid of what I was going to say. So it was a lot of avoiding, you know, like, like, just like my, my world is so polarized from your world right now that if we talk something irreparable may happen type of idea. So, and luckily we're both very independent people and we've been together over 20 years and we've got a million projects going on. And so it's not, and I know the thing with Rich and me is that we have this deep love and this deep commitment and it's really deep, like it's really solid. So, you know, we were, you know, we had that, which is a, which is a great bed, you know, a, a great foundation. And then what happened is, uh, suddenly the energy started shifting, didn't it? You guys, did you feel the energy start to shift? Mm -hmm. So it was so like intense and I had, you know, my, my teens and my, you know, my girlfriends or my spiritual allies. And we were, you know, speaking of this challenge of how to hold this reality in a society that was marginalizing us and, you know, really trying to smother us, trying to overcome and overpower. And, um, and then isn't it interesting that things just started to soften? It's like the, the light quotient started to aggregate and I know from my galactic councils that the planetary architecture had started to actually transform into life-affirming structures. These are structures that have not been in place for eons of time. So this is not like a time of any other time in history. And the defining quality of these reports that I, re I would receive was that there were miraculous happenings of grace and expansion and unconditional love that were not foreseen, that were hmm. completely surprised. I mean, uh, architectural, like planetary architectural systems that are known to be eternal and solid, like a static, um, we'll say structure, architecture, uh, these were moved and it was believed before this point that they were unmovable for eternity. And hmm. so uh, I see this reflected all the way down, you know, from all of my spiritual studies into my relationship 
suddenly rich was soft softened suddenly there were, the war was not there anymore and you know of course we had all learned and gone through a lot and seen a lot of things and then finally we were able to um i mean one time when i had a pretty honest conversation with him it was a short conversation but it was sort of like uh, an intro to what i wanted to go into with him a hawk actually flew about 10 feet over his head and then flapped his wings and stayed just <laughs> suspended and then darted wow. away. He never saw the hawk. I was just looking over his head like, oh, my God. So um, so what I would say is, um, so so in my own relationship, and I was sharing this with Rich on the podcast and, and also, you know, very vulnerable to enter into that conversation, you know, we never know where we're going. We don't know exactly how it's going to go. And, you know, we traditionally have never edited anything out. So, um, but really what is present is because we were able to come back together and have these conversations um, and acknowledge that we are evolutionary partners who took a vow to support each other in becoming all that we desire, all that was in within our hearts that there is no losing in that relationship. It doesn't mean, I mean, I don't think as humans, we are breaking up for the same reasons we may have in the eighties. It's not like, Oh yeah, I, I see this other hot guy and I got to go, I got to go get with that. Or, you know, or <laughs> that he wants to like go with a, with another, you know, woman just to have sex. Like it's so not that we are looking to pair with energetics that celebrate who we are and what is apparent in the planetary field is the reawakening of genetic equal partners in massive planetary consciousness, deity consciousness, where these pairs are reawakening and coming back into union. Because as divine human, the masculine and feminine parts um, in a certain frequency of life expression carry this massive activation. So that same genetic pairing is happening in the microcosm, so macrocosm, microcosm, and it may be that your partner is going to completely transform. It may be that you create a new um, <clears throat> paradigm of relationship. So maybe, uh, you know, I don't, you know, it's, it's our rules, like however you want to make those agreements. Or maybe some of those relationships will be coming to completion and there will be a new partner that is coming into the scape. But um, I always say, let it be beautiful. And, um, you know, uh, I am feeling an intimacy and a connection with Rich that I haven't felt for a few years. So I, what you said I thought was very profound, and I'm sure I'm not going to get your words correct, but when you said something to the effect of we're here to celebrate each other and the potential of which one can be, and so in that there's no losing. And, and that I find very profound because what you're saying is whether the relationship as it looks now changes and ends at this point or it grows to a deeper place together, there's no losing because the whole point is it's whatever's going to be best for each other's evolution at their most purest form. Absolutely. And I mean, and if... I think that is, I just think that's so profound because did you at some point when you 
during this war, I think it's hilarious you call it the war, um, but during the war phase of your relationship and during pandemic time, was there a part that you actually were like, maybe this is it? Maybe this is the time of like, hey, we love each other so deeply, but we're not allowing each other to expand the way we each need to. This may be the time that the relationship changes its dynamic. Sure. I mean, but I think, you know, along with that, we have to acknowledge that we, I was wondering if I was going to drop my body, like, am I going to transition right now? So, I mean, there was, you know, there were that, right. it was like, so, so yeah, I think all of us were kind of like, what the fuck is going on, you know, in, in some, in some yeah. form, you know? So, yeah, I would say that, I mean, it, it, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not like, you know, either of us were doing anything, you know, it, it was all like an, an inner sort of, um, I don't know, just uh, finding a way that we could be in relationship in this very polarizing moment when I'm in a relationship with somebody that is a very different being than I am, you know, being. very, very, yeah. How very do different. you like on the, yeah. How do you on the practical level, um, and I know it'll be practice, but I want to hear from you practice your neutrality because when you are with someone that is that different, um, like you were saying, you said earlier, like our philosophies on how we like operate are different, what we need, how we react is different. So how do you, and you said I had to hold my neutrality, which makes sense. If you're holding your neutrality, you allow someone to do exactly what they're going to do, even if it's it rubs against every version of your core beliefs. What are your best practices of being able to hold your neutrality while you're actually in it? Well, the best practice is devotion. So devotion to me is the secret sauce of everything in my life, everything that has been beautiful. And so when I understand that I know that I'm an emanation of God consciousness, and therefore if I am, then he is also exactly where he is right now. And so it's taking the personal um, confusion or uh, I'd say the personal aspect out of it Again, anytime you're in a challenge, the answer lies within your own self, within your own heart, because ultimately we're born alone and you're going to transition. It's just, it's just about you and you. It's a solo journey. So if you're in relationship, you're being provided a mirror that reflects certain things to you. And I guess maybe that's the most profound way to, um, to define it is that we were mirroring to each other the polarity in the greater system. This isn't about, oh, that, you know, I, either one of us were um, flawed. It's like we were perfectly mirroring that separation to each other and it allowed us to um, look deeper and to find out where we were being violent or where we were being unforgiving or where we were being judgmental or, you know, even from either side. The thing is, is that, the, let's just take, you know, the sovereignty of health within that world or that sphere of experience, there is, there's a, a lot of different outcomes because you've got billions of life forms that are completely unique that have a completely different life print or soul purpose. So, and even within, you know, choosing vaccination or not vaccination within those, um, formulas, there's a bunch of variations that can happen within even one brand or one lot or one, you know, so if you really start to look at it, it's like, it's endless. And mm -hmm. this experience, you know, while there are perspectives and I certainly have perspectives on, you know, the, the, the anti-life vibration of what this is, 
um, ultimately we are Jedis, we are magicians, we are alchemists. And so we can transform any poison into wine. Like your body is more magnificent and more powerful than anything, than any virus, than any disease, than any shot, than anything. And so it's returning again the sovereign choice to the individual of what their sovereign choice is. Because at the end of the day, you're answering to you and you alone. Um, and it's your own choice. And so it's the same thing. Like, how can you say one thing is right for another person? Um, you know, I don't think one can. Um, because there's a whole spectrum of life experience. And so it's more about choosing a frequency. What frequency do you want to explore? And what um, frequency do you feel like? What frequency do you feel like in your past when you look from years and years beyond is the frequency you shifted out of the most? Cause you were like, that was not serving me. Mm, that's a good question. Um, I would just say, I mean, what's coming to me right now is um, self-violence, self-hatred, self-violence, you know, um, not loving myself enough, like not truly embodying who I am. And it's like my, how did that, when did that shift? Well, I mean, I had an exploration. Um, so I was born spiritually aware, you know, focused. And then I was trapped in a family that didn't share that focus. So then I used drugs for many years. And then I was looking, my, I incarnated into a life plan where I was uh, suffering from uh, not a connection with my father, even though he was physically present in the family and was my whole life, but he didn't prefer me. And we were very different. Um, and that created a lot of uh, trauma and separation for me. And, you know, that was the design of my life. Like when Chakrapani uh, did my chart, you know, he was like, there is no possibility for a good relationship with your father. And I was like, I know. And he was like, I know. He said, I'm looking at it it's right <laughs> here. So, um, and I healed that with my dad in, the end in, in his death, which was really amazing. But so this law sent me to find this God or this connection with love through a lot of promiscuous relationships when I was in my teens. And that was a very um, damaging to me because I'm a very sensitive being and sexual energy is the most, one of the most profound energies, maybe the most profound that we have access to. So I always say it's sexuality is spirituality is creativity. It's the same thing. So it was just part of my young exploration. And I think that my whole life has been, um, you know, refining that in greater and greater levels to be where I'm sitting inside of myself in full support of who I am. And what I do in Water Tiger in my spiritual mentorship uh, community, the, the whole core purpose of Water Tiger are techniques to return you into the embodiment of who you are. And so one of my techniques right now is carrying around a photo of myself when I was six years old and I keep it very near to me so that I remember to advocate for her first in every single decision I make in my life. She's the first one who is considered. 
And then after that, then I consider, consider everyone else. So yeah, I would probably say that it's probably that. Um, and maybe, you know, a lot of people I think share that, you know, it's like, we always, you know, it's always the other that we're comparing or wishing for, or, you know, do you find that? Absolutely. A a thousand percent. I totally relate to this. So I was going to ask you that question. How do you synthesize the ideas of forgiveness and understanding of, you know, other someone's actions towards you, like understanding maybe where your dad came from versus allowing yourself to also have the emotions and heal that six-year-old simultaneously? Mm -hmm. This is a really, I think, important question. And um, I never forgave my dad. Um, I didn't need to forgive him. That's not where the transformation is. So the transformation is in the recognition that as souls, we agreed to come into this format together. And so, in fact, he was playing his role perfectly. And, you know, again, like it wasn't, I mean, I was in an abusive relationship with my first husband who beat me and, you know, physically abused me. And that's a lot harder to get to the neutrality, especially at that age. You know, like I was so, when I finally got away from him seven years later, I was, uh, you know, so, you know, so angry and just didn't, you know, I wasn't a violent person, like none of it. I was not bringing any of it on myself, except for the fact that I allowed him to treat me like that, right? Which is 50% of the the issue. And when I took that responsibility and became the creator of my life, I was freed of the experience. So, um, you know, so I, I realize it's, it's different, you know, again, my dad, it was all based on, you know, personality and perceptions and, you know, just the way that we saw the world and, and generational. So it was not, it wasn't anything like really you know, any, any really intense violence or abuse or something like that. It was just being misunderstood and not being respected basically was sort of the thing. But, you know, and even looking back when he passed away, I found many letters. I wrote him many letters just saying, you're the perfect dad for me. And even though we have a hard time, you know, uh, we chose each other and I respect you and, you know, I love you. And so, um, I think beautiful. Yeah. I think the forgiveness thing is a little tricky, especially when you've had somebody really abuse you or something. And, and I found it's more powerful to, uh, take that, uh, sort of galactic view, you know, that I'm, I am from the stars and I'm a soul who programmed my incarnation to produce a certain evolution. So, um, it's the taking back of the experience and, and what I do with my, people that I do sessions for, that I mentor counsel, it's changing the lens of perception. So people often that let's Mm -hmm. say they're sexually abused, they feel ashamed or they feel like they're less than, or like, how did this happen? Or, and what I do is I acknowledge the pain first on a human level. And then I say, we got to go big picture with this because I can't help you if I stay in that suffering. So let's go big, big picture and let's create a new story, which is how about you were such a badass that you loved humanity so much and you love children so deeply that you agreed to experience this horror 
so that you could transform it within yourself, which simultaneously clears it in the planetary field. So you become Mm -hmm. this gigantic avatar instead of this person in the community that has stain on it or you weren't good enough. It's so fascinating when you start to realize your entire life is perception. It It's fascinating because what you're saying, I agree with. It's this idea of, you know, there's facts and then there's suffering, right? And, you know, there's suffering everywhere, but it doesn't necessarily, you don't have to suffer, even though it is everywhere and it's very pervasive and we feel pain. Clearly we have a nervous system, but it is, it's this weird like you're saying, a very freeing feeling, but simultaneously sometimes this fucked up feeling of like, then what's real? You know what I mean? It's like, what part of it's real? What part of it's not? And I, I agree too. We choose our, our situations that we come into this world with to whatever it is we have to grow and learn. And you keep getting them usually until you kind of, you know, step into your power of what you came here to do. But it is fascinating, the perception of story. And so we can you know, having come from the entertainment industry where I always tell people you can have one script and read it 15 different ways, you know, and you can have a different, you know, 15 different directors and you'll get like a rom-com, you'll get a deep dramatic story, you can get film noir, like, and it's the same idea. It's like you have your facts. So what's the story you want to wrap around it? Um, And how the story itself is so pervasive. It affects your cells. It affects your development. It affects your mood. It affects how you talk, how you react. I mean, it's it's so intense that just the story and perception has shifted your entire, created your entire life. Definitely. It's, it's literally all about perception. And what I would ask the question is, what if none of it is real? What if it's all like, I mean, an it, issue? Kind of, it kind of isn't, right? So So the thing is, is this is what I'm talking about when I keep talking about devotion. Like this is the devotion. It's like the devotion is the secret sauce. Why is it the secret sauce? Because you access this feeling, the the human feeling of emotion is the, the fuel that creates the momentum, right? And, and what we have the opportunity, like I'm mentoring a couple people who have serious uh, health issues, like, you know, you know, uh, terminal diagnoses or, you know, cancers in the brain or these type of things. And then I talked, you know, I talked to them, we have, we have a session and they're like all in the story of the diagnosis and like what's happening and the treatment and all that stuff, which is all valid. But I'm like, what if like, we just Jedi this and what if, what if this is the biggest gift you've ever been given? And what if you just go into it and just be like, tell me more, like, just tell me more. Like just instead of you Mm. identifying it as this horrible thing that you create this, this constriction around. And it's interesting because I did, I had the same interaction with COVID the virus, you know, when it first came out, I went into meditation, I invited it in, I felt into it. I was fully, fully contained in my own field. So I didn't mix my energy. And I was like, I am, acknowledging you as a sacred life force. Now that does not mean that I think it came from life affirming energies, but we have to Mm -hmm. remember that on this planet, every energy is valid, dark and light. So I brought it in and I was like bowing to it. And then I said, now there's my boundary there. So I am not allowing you to interact with my system. You 
stay there. And, um, and I did really, I did not experience that life form, um, until May. And I, I put myself I got it in May. You did. And oh my yes. goodness, that's crazy. Well, that is I, crazy. Um, I, uh, I put myself in a planetary ritual, um, that was activated by Dom and her. I was feeling amazing. I was so strong. I was skiing. I was like doing yoga. Like my head felt amazing. And then they were like, you can put your body in this ritual for the healing of the planet. I was like, totally, I'm totally putting my body in. Well, as the clock struck midnight Italian time, which is where the ritual was affected, I came down with COVID. And then it was a very, I don't know how your, how your experience was, but I had a death experience uh, during COVID. Like the yogi lineage came to me, like it was a whole situation. Mine was very, I, I, it was pretty profound, actually. I was surprised. I, it brought up a lot of things for me that, I mean, obviously physically I was in it, but also um, emotionally and spiritually, I actually really had a hard time doing my practice during then, um, which surprised me. Because at one point it was like day two or three, I'm like, oh my God, tall, you're not you're not doing your own self-healing. This is crazy. And so I would really try. And it was as if I was like totally disconnected from it. It was so bizarre. And I can't tell if I was just so depleted energetically. I, it was the most bizarre thing. And it took me a couple of weeks before I could like reconnect. Mm -hmm. But simultaneously, I was having major life, like, you know, awareness about motherhood, awareness about my relationship, aware, like deep, profound thoughts were coming through. Mm -hmm. No, I'm so glad that you shared that. I don't, I don't know if you talked about this on your podcast a lot, but most people, okay. So most of us that have this lens of, let's say consciousness and expansion, everyone had a profound mystical experience. And it was the same, like I forgot to use my own techniques and I was just in agony. I was in so much physical pain <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like I haven't done any of my techniques. I'm just writhing around like in this massive, massive pain. You too. Um, but what happened- It's just so weird because it was that same thing. I'm like, you're not doing anything. <laughs> right, exactly. But <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they do say it's hard, it's hardest to do your practices when you're in that much pain, but- I also feel like, okay, so oh. there is a perspective from Dominher, which is a spiritual community in Italy. I'm an initiate of, and they built temples to mankind inside a, uh, inside a mountain in secret. Um, they've existed for over 47 years and they are some profound, uh, let's say alchemists. And um, their founder, Falco Tarasaco, um, brought a an awareness of the grail. So, so the grail is the form that we have sought after for eons of time. The grail is an energy force that is not definable, not mutable. You can't control it and you can't contain it. And throughout eons of time, we search for this in the form of the grail. So you see like, you know, the holy grail, right? In, in the chalice, in the chalice. So Falco brought in 2008 that this form would be changing its form when it contacted this realm and the grail going forward would be in the form of illness. And so this moment was predicted. Um, and when you look at it, I definitely had an experience with the grail. I had a death experience that mirrored a death experience that I had in India 12 years earlier with the same beings, the same Indian gurus and the same elements were present in this time space. So it was like two timelines were stacked on hmm. top of each other. 
Um, it changed me forever. Um, it highlighted what is essential. But in the middle of it, and I am not a depressed person. I am always, you know, I have a lot of resilience in my energy field. But I was actually thinking to myself, what is the thing that I have to take to kill myself? Literally going through my mind. I didn't get to punching the buttons on the computer key, but I had a, a lot of conversations with the black empty space about this is just me in the void. I felt hopeless, like I had no one. Like, why was I ever a mother? Like, just really dark stuff. And I was being contacted by some of the doctors at Dominer that were telling me, be careful. This energy is very not natural to this planet. And it has a very depressive quality. And so they were trying to get me to keep the inflammation down, like in the brain. And I, when they first sent me the message, I was kind of like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not depressed. Like, I never, I'm, I don't go there. So... That was just my experience. I have another girlfriend who uh, got COVID, had a high fever, went to the hospital, flatlined, had an NDE, Oof. came back. She called me. She's like, I've only told two people. She's like, I'm not the same. And I went to see her and she's not the same. Like she's so, uh, she's so much more her, like so much more her power, her presence and so in the end, I do, I think it's a divine um, contact. And so once again, how can we then say from our perspective that that is bad, you know, this is bad and this is good. Like things are not black and white. They are experiences for evolution and based on your awareness, your past lives, whatever you've cultivated, I would say simultaneous lives, your life mission, but I think what it's at least reminding me and what this devotion and ritual is reminding me is the fact that we have the power to commune and interact with elements in a much higher way than what, what we have remembered previously. Well, it's funny because you talked about, it's not funny, but you talked about um, this group from Italy the first time we ever spoke because you were actually in Mount Shasta doing that activation where they built the spirals. The spiral. If you remember. Yeah. And you were saying it was connecting spirals from all over the world. So it's fascinating because it does tie into this idea that we're talking about now, which you just said of we are multidimensional beings. And you're saying now too, like we, we're not in remembrance of kind of that power. I mean, talk a little bit more about that. And then I also want to circle back to this idea of stories and with your clients and stuff, because I do think that it all does connect. I mean, actually, let's connect it. Like the idea of these stories we tell in this dimension, in this physical body, in this incarnation, that kind of, I think, what I'm feeling is like really push and suppresses us into this small being that just was born into this earth. And when you kind of uncover and allow the stories to disappear, you can kind of tap into the fact like you're talking about, you have multiple timelines coming into you when you're going through COVID. You, you know, your devotion reminds you that you're more. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so what it, you just want me to talk about uh, how to access like multiple realities. Okay. I just kind of lost the question. It, it, the core of the question. Yeah, is I mean, so I probably didn't ask a very clear question. It's probably the problem, but I think it's like, how do we blend this idea of what we're talking about stories and how they limit us to also this yeah. idea 
of being these multi multi-dimensional creatures. That's amazing. So I have to just grab this book. So just give me 30 seconds. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so I've been, uh, you know, speaking with my community, part of what I feel like my job is or my role is, is to constantly expand the boundary of the sandbox of the fishbowl. And so even if I say something that is sort of um, seems uh, insane to somebody, <laughs> if I can start to move those boundaries out, so I always say like, I try not to believe in things because belief systems create violence and separation and wars. And, you know, it's like, and when we know, as you know, being a spiritual seeker, the more we know, and the more we mature, the more we know, we don't know. So exactly. Staying, right. So st staying in this state of suspension. So, okay. So we've been going along and we were in the patriarchal paradigm and now that has come to completion and now we're entering into the Aquarian age. It is not a time like any other place in, in time in history. It is a processional opening. And um, there are a lot of life forms that are here that we can't see. I mean, the, the realm is flooded and there's like a line of souls trying to get in a body to get into the show that we're in. So it's important for us to remember as we feel beaten up or we feel, you know, sort of overwhelmed with the suffering and everything else that's going on, that this is literally the A, the A list show that's going on. And there is, there is no getting out. There's, there's no gain interrupt for one second. Yeah, sure. You saying, I don't know if you've read, I read this article that William Shatner, when he, you know, he did the SpaceX program where he went up to space and everyone was like, what was it? And it's only because it goes exactly with your point right here. And he said he got really depressed because when he went up there, he was expecting all these answers and connection and feeling like in space. And he's like, and I went up there and it felt cold and it felt separate. And then you look down and you saw earth. Mm. And that's where I realized it's all the love and the beauty and the connection. And here I was trying to get away with it, to away from it, to find it. And it was like, kind of what you just said, we've got the A game. And and then he said he got really depressed because he started to realize we're not taking care of the A game <laughs> at all. And it is so much more beautiful, all because he like had the literal perspective. He got to fly away and see it. And that's when it's so that's why I started to interrupt. But it was this idea of souls are clamoring to come in here, not only from an energetic perspective. It's like there's it's so fulfilling and beautiful in so many ways. And just to be able to have these emotions is what, you know, people's souls want. And we've got the A game. So sorry, continue. But I thought no. that was interesting. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I can totally feel into that. And, you know, that's a beautiful, beautiful um, imagery and analogy to that. Um, so, and just another viewpoint. So from a planetary architecture standpoint, um, the uh, research from Dominher and brought from Falco um, through that uh, that community is that the the planets have what they call synchronic lines. And so this planet has nine vertical and nine horizontal. And this is where when we take a body or any life form takes a form, it comes in through these energy lines. And Earth has the highest um, concentration of synchronic lines of any planet. Like it's very rare that a planet would have this many lines. So, you know, we, we read in the Vedas, maybe you don't, but so in the Vedas or the ancient scriptures, you know, the question is how many life 
systems are there? And the answer is innumerable. So this idea that we're the only ones, I mean, hopefully we've all grown up enough to understand that that's not the thing. So, I mean, so anyway, I would hope. Like, like no way. So anyway, so, but just to understand. Very narcissistic point of view. Exactly. But just to understand that that is the immensity of the diversity of life and, and the power of being on this planet because we're here for evolution. So you can't get this contrast in other realms. You know, like Matias de Stefano uh, was uh, having a conversation with Aubrey Marcus and Aubrey was talking about, I don't know, being in the 50 or in some experience. And then uh, Matias said, you know, yeah, 50 boring, like nothing happens. Like you're just, ah, like you're just there. You know, I don't know if it was 50. I'm, I'm not into like those. I'm, that's not my forte to like, um, sort of identify different dimensions. But the point is, is that there is a, a rich experience of evolution present for us here. And uh, adding on to what I started to talk about, about relationship is this is the opportunity. So mm-hmm. in Atlantis or in a, in a time in Atlantis, when we were the highest developed at the height of Atlantis, we were merged with our God consciousness. And when we were in those forms, um, there was many different uh, agreements, many different preferences, many different life forms. But let's say in a divine human, in a humanoid relationship, um, uh, you know, uh, you could you 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 could choose to be monogamous or not monogamous. It could be anything. But let's say that you were in a monogamous relationship, and then let's say that. Uh, let's say that I wanted to learn about music, then I could ask my partner if I could take leave and merge with a musician. But we weren't like injecting, putting body parts in, like humping like dogs. We were like merging the energy field. (laughs) And so (laughs) when you think of it like that, though, and you get out of that possessive, you know, like we talk about human relationship as like a business agreement. It's like, if you behave this way, then I will love you. And if you cease to behave that way, I will take my love from you, which is not divine love. So if you look at it like more of an energy signature or an overlay, um, I think this is some of the potential that is on deck for us to experience. And whether that means a sexual relationship or a creative relationship or just whatever it could be, you know, and, and in my own relationship with Rich, it's like, I'm never going to go do an ultra marathon with him. I'm ultra, ultraman race. <laughs> like never, like probably never. So it's like, you know, it's about growing up and understanding uh, what is the soul need for its evolution and what is, what is the next step? And can we continue to love each other through those processes, those experiences. And I'm not talking about polyamory or like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about true support for the realization of your life, your most victorious life. So now getting back to the multiple timelines. So one of the things that I talk a lot about in Water Tiger is to start to imagine that you're living in simultaneous spaces at points either on this planet or on this planet and off this planet. But consider that time is simultaneous because we know that there's only past and future in this realm. And, you know, you, one really like good example, you know, or an example is, you know, oftentimes when loved ones transition and then you see them again, you usually see them young, you know, they're like, Oh, and my grandmother came and she was young and she was, you know, it's, 
so, uh, you know, and time is very malleable. It's like you can close your eyes and, and you can travel back to the point when you were six years old, you know, instantly. Mm -hmm. So as human beings, we are time travelers. This is part of who we are as a divine angelic human embodied. And there is a book um, that was written by my spiritual sister at Dom and Her called 33 Lives from the Book of Time. And this is by Esperide Ananas Amatista. And Esperide we'll was... in the show notes. Great. It's super cool. I actually don't read fiction at all. Um, I usually, I just read spiritual texts for years and, you know, I'm writing my own books and stuff. So I'm, I'm not, it's not like I'm reading, but this is my favorite book because it's 33 stories of human incarnations and they're written very beautifully. Mm. It's very similar to Dom and her has a, uh, a process that they do through their university. They have an online university that you can explore your past lives. And so they have a group of individuals that go into the temples and based on photos of you and your birth date, they retrieve the five lifetimes that are the most useful to you in for your life now. And uh, it's like a workshop, you know, uh, process. I've done two life, I've done tons of past life regression, not with them, but I did um, two lifetimes with Dom and her and both lifetimes greatly enhanced my life here today. Like gave me, it's like reconnecting with a lover that is you, that's a mm. part of you that you retrieve. And so in this book, Esperide goes through, it's a whole spectrum of human lives, you know, unrequited love, you know, success, war, you know, early death, long life, you know, all different kinds of flavors, all different kinds of lineages, you know, Native American, Asian, you know, Chinese dynasty, Italian, uh, you know, you name it, like it's in here. Um, and it really, really gives you the perspective of, of, wait a second, like, what if, what if only part of me is in this personality in this time space? And like for me, just to share a couple of the examples. So my first life that I did with Dom and her, um, I actually signed up because I wanted to spend time with this instructor who I'm very, um, she's very dear. Her name is Gadza. And she's one of the, one of the original Dom and herians. And um, so I signed up, I was like, okay, I'll hang out with her for two days. And then she, um, the, the workshop was sort of going, not, uh, I didn't want to be in the workshop. I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to quit. I think I'm not going to finish this weekend. Like, I don't really care. And then we did this art project and in the art section, I nailed my past life. I was annoyed. I wanted to leave and my body produced the mm. art piece that was directly related to my past life. So I show it to her and she's like, that's it. I'm like, oh, you know, oh my God. So I would find out over the two days that this incarnation that I was reclaiming, it's a part of me, is an Argentinian man in the 18th century who lives in the Pampas, who is a horse whisperer. He plays guitar. He has five kids. And may, some of you may or may not know, I wear a cowboy hat, like a new version cowboy hat and a poncho most of the time. And, you know, I play guitar and sing. I couldn't say I play guitar. I sing and I strum guitar. Um, but this gave me this. <laughs> I was going to say you play guitar. This gave me this reconnection with the part of myself. Like I was like, oh, like it never felt like an outfit to me ever. 
It wasn't never that to me. It feels like home to me. And I love Argentina. And I have a friend of mine who's an atheist. His name's Juan. Um, I'm forgetting his last name. It's bad. Juan founded Industry of All Nations. It's a sustainable clothing line. And he was an architect on my house. And when I saw him, I we were best friends. We were soulmates. Like when I saw him, it was just it was obvious. So he's an atheist. I'm taking this atheist Argentinian friend of mine who's like 30 years younger than I am, 20 years younger or something, taking him to Agape. And we're like hanging out. And, you know, he calls me always. He's like, Shrima. He calls me Shrima. He's really good friends with my boys. And, you know, he called me the pandemic. He's like, Shrima, what's happening? I'm like, don't worry, dude, I'll come get you. Like, cause he's an atheist. Like he, it's not his thing. So, um, but, so that was one thing. And then the second thing is, is that I started lighting ceremonial fires quite intensely about three years ago. And that communion with that deity, with that form has been magical and profound and uh, just seeped in nectar and amrita and beauty. And I found out through a subsequent past life, a workshop that in another timeline, I'm a priestess of the fire in an unspecified timeline in ancient Greece. I only live in the temple and I only light the fire. I am serving that goddess. And I was like, oh my goodness. So it just augmented my game, my, you know, my fire yeah. game. Yeah, because I'm collecting this part of myself. And one of the things that Spitty Day talks about is that not only are you doing yourself a service by reconnected with these identities, but those identities are waiting for you to re- to recollect them. So it's sort hmm. of like you're you're your own community in a in a soul group format, and um, I just find it expansive and and beautiful, you know. And do you feel? I mean, one of the things I love about it is this idea. And we talk about this, so this is going to feel like a very basic question, but I feel like for people, it can be a very expansive thought, which is, so if you have this whole community of you, of different versions of you and different identities, it's another reaffirmation that you have so much wisdom and all of the answers within you. Sure. I mean, it gives you some, it was funny after I found out I was a horse whisperer, I I immediately went and took some horseback riding lessons. And I've, I've been on a horse a few times, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a writer in, at any set in any, in any sense. And, um, and so the second lesson, uh, we started trotting and I started posting and, and the, the trainer was like, Oh my God. He's like, it takes people a while to get that, but you just have it. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, because I'm a horse whisperer in another timeline. So, you know, it just, right. like, cause I actually have it. Cause I actually have done this, you know, and, um, yes. So the only reason I share it, I mean, these are my, these are my treasures. You know, I don't care if anyone believes them. It doesn't matter because it's so real to me. It's, it's true for me. Um, But what I would say is that, you know, it's dense here being in life on planet earth where there's so much suffering and, and uh, you know, undescribable, you know, we can't even fathom how some of these things happen. Right. And so we need resilience and we need strength. We need strength to be able to choose, you know, you were talking about perspective. So the easy thing to do is to call out everything that's wrong. Uh, And the true work, the true magic and the true artistry comes in creating a more beautiful world together. 
And so remembering mm -hmm. thoughts are things. So perception shapes what happens to you and thoughts are things and actions are things. And so, um, you know, putting the attention on what we're creating is what is, uh, worthy, you know, not, we're not, we don't have our head in the sand. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not, uh, we're not, um, acting like nothing, you know, anti-life is in operation. We know that it's there. Um, and we're responsible about it. But now that we know that it's there, how do we want to evolve? And how do we, how do we choose to use our energy? How do we choose? It's very important. The word is one of man's and humanities and women's most powerful forms so much that mm. um, it can be used uh, like magic, literally. So uh, really understanding that uh, getting caught in this merry-go-round of negativity or, you know, narrative and being open to the miracle. And then, and then in order to stay aligned, I'm, I'm back in the mat. I'm on the mat. I'm in the breath. I'm in the moment. Anything that can reach, reactivate that awareness of the one breathing through us, through me. Let's talk about like when you look at it with what's going on in the world today, how do you balance both those aspects? So for like the women in Iran um, or like women here who are rights are getting threatened left and right. But let's, let's do the women in Iran because that feels like a little yeah. bit more violent. And obviously, yeah. yeah. Horrifying. Um, I will Horrifying. say during my COVID death experience, the precursor to going into that was I was feeling the rage of the feminine annihilation on this planet at a level I've never felt it before. It was like a volcano just coming out of me. And when we go back to, um, you know, listen, you know, we, we go back to maybe thousands of years ago. So the feminine entire energy was eradicated and annihilated out of the spiritual histories of this planet completely. So then, I mean, when you, when we really sit with that, it's deeply, um, it's deeply, it's deeply sad. It's deeply sad. And that, that what happened yeah. in Iran is just more of that. You know what I mean? It's, it's that that's there. So, um, many of us have lived lifetimes where we lost our lives for this, where we were brutalized, annihilated, burned at the stake. Uh, we were a genocide, part of a genocide of, uh, of divine angelic humans that carried the true spiritual teachings of the Christic, um, the Christic founder information, which came through Yeshua or Jesus the Christ. But it was also Magdalene. Magdalene was his genetic equal. She was not a whore. She was a genetic equal. And together they were pairs. They were a pair of this. And this energy existed within a community. So this was not, the, the entire show has been usurped by the patriarchy. And that's in the isms, the religions, the political system, the culture. Now it's everywhere in the culture. You know, all the famous chefs are men. All the, even the gurus, all the famous gurus are men. It's like, it's still going on. Like it's still going on today. And I, I mean, know. the misogyny that, you know, that we experience as, as women, you know, or feminine energies on this planet is, it's a real thing. So how do I reconcile that? Or how do I receive that? I devote my life is devoted 
to the reclamation of the sovereign freedom of the divine angelic human, which contains both feminine and masculine within it. Um, everything that I do in my life is to serve that reclamation. Um, and in the process of us reclaiming our realm, this beautiful planet that we love so deeply, that we love so deeply that we came back into this realm to be a part of rewriting this. During this time, there are traumas, wars, um, natural disasters. There are things that are going to occur that will provide people the um, exit point to transition into another life. So my prayer for any of us who are in those moments, whether it's COVID, whether it's war, whether it's violence or abuse or, um, you know, uh, being, uh, uh, I'd, I'd say oppressed, you know, for your, for your gender, um, my prayer is that on that point of exit, that the suffering is a nanosecond. And that something kicks in mm. and that, that beautiful being, that beautiful, beautiful girl, that she was so powerful in her programmed incarnation that she was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be that one. And I'm going to ignite that light on that, on that issue. And it's going to ignite this tsunami of women saying no, like enough, 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 enough. And, you know, that she has ignited a divine sacred evolution for her own soul and for the planet that is beyond our comprehension. And may she be held in grace and beauty. Mm. That's beautiful. So that's beautiful. Know, yeah. And, and, you know, th this is sort of like, this is, these are the times we are in. This is the moment that we're in. Um, and, you know, in this realm, there have been wars wa waged for thousands of years, you know, all kinds of, you know, indescribable brutality. Um, the only thing I can take solace in is knowing that we have finally arrived at this moment of planetary transformation and, from my teams who see planetary architecture. I don't see things that way, but they do. And they're quite adept. Um, these miraculous systems are in place and the patriarchal has lost control and it's not, it's, it's over. And so it's not like it's, it's also really, like that's why they're holding on so tight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. But, but it's over. It is over and they are not going to prevail. It is a different eon of time and we will reclaim this realm. And that, you know, it's, it gets complicated. There's other aspects of it. You know, there are parallel earths. There's, you know, other things that come into play. And I don't think if anybody says they know, they don't know because it's, it's on a need to know moment to moment. But again, if I get back to these miraculous appearances of planetary architecture that were not foreseen, it shows me 
it proves to me that there are benevolent forces that are with us. We are not alone. We are the ground crew. We're the ground crews that are going through this. And again, um, the answer to everything is always cultivating more love, more presence. And, um, and this devotion to, I have to respect um, anyone who is going through, you know, a, a difficult time or a brutality. I have a choice to respect them in their exit to respect them as a powerful being and say, you know, apply that devotion to them. Like even in their exit. Which is amazing because it's, um, I mean, you just said it was so beautiful that in this time of changing and shifting kind of our job, the ground crew is, you know, standing in love and presence. And part of that, which is what I think so many of us have to work on is, allowing that love and presence to be for everybody. You don't pick and choose where the love comes in and where the presence come in. It's how do you live in it at all times, um, even when your stories and your limitations are telling you what's right and what's wrong. It's like, how do we get, again, it's like tying this all together. How do we like pull away those stories, pull away what we think is right or wrong and be able to just stand in love? That's it. And I mean, really, I mean, we're just little just little ants. I mean, we can't really see like everything from where we are. <laughs> and the other thing is, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, like, you know, like also just, just the reverence, just the reverence of understanding. You know, I met, I met a young man recently who's a very spiritually feeling young man and he was very depressed and he said, I don't see anyone changing. And I was like, dude, how hmm. do, how's your devotion? And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, do you think the one breath is counting on you to solve this entire thing? I was like, dude, like find the devotion, trust, you know, immerse yourself in her, serve her, get up every day, be like, use me, you know, flow through me. I mean, listen, how can I serve? How can I, you know, and, and really, I mean, I would also just tie that to your own heart. Your own desires are very important. They are of utmost importance. So if you become what is waiting for you inside your own heart, you will spontaneously bless all creation. If you fail to know yourself inside Mm. your own heart, you might do some interesting experiments, but you will be more like Derek Zoolander. I want to make a school for kids who can't read good because you won't be embodied. You won't have, I, you would, you won't have digested (laughs) the experience of becoming. And so it takes a life to become. I think it's important to remember we are eternal life forms, eternal life forms. So you will not cease to exist when you drop this body. You will be in another uh, opportunity and those opportunities are endless. So there's not one gate with one guy with a wand. It's, it's very complex. So um, trust yourself um, and make sure you take care of yourself so that you can offer kindness to another human. Well, I thought it was interesting that example of someone being so depressed because they're looking outward and, and assuming and deeming that no one else is changing when a, you don't really know, we never know what's shifting within someone or not. Um, and what you just said so beautifully is you have to go within yourself and, and meet the changes that you're looking for basically, 
And that's what changes the world around you. And again, it goes back to perception. You start creating the reflection of what comes back to you, um, which I feel like so much of what we're talking about today keeps going back to the power of the word, the power of the action, the power of you. Like when you, when you step into yourself and choose to make whatever changes or the neutrality or the acceptance, wherever you're at, that's when the reflection that comes back starts meeting you at where you are. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, in my partnership with Rich and my family, you know, these, like I will be with Rich till the end of our time here and I will, and likely eternally we are connected. Um, it's not about, uh, like I said, the lower sort of ideas of what a relationship is around possession. It's about this deep love, this unconditional love. And really, really being someone's teammate, you know, and mm. I think if we shift our perspectives out of those um, sort of more constricted containers, um, I think there is a new, a whole new, deeper way of connecting um, that is surpassing anything that we ever dreamed. And I think that's what we're rewriting together. It's not written. If anybody says that they know what's going to happen, they're definitely not tapped in because nobody knows. Right. And, you know, I've been around long enough, even just this lifetime to have heard all these predictions. I mean, the one thing psychics suck at is timelines. So let's just acknowledge that. <laughs> That's true. No, you never, you can never say. And so so what is it? What is it? It's being embodied and authentic to who you are, being aligned to who you are, being in the moment, nourishing that child that is inside of your heart and really finding your way to receive yourself as divine. Because when you can receive yourself as divine, then you can receive the other as divine. And then there is no, mm. you know, it's like truth does not defend. It simply is. It's not, you're not, don't have to go convince somebody. It's just is. And then you can have your preferences. You can prefer strawberry to, you know, lemon, but you don't have to get in a fight about it or like drain somebody's energy or hot or vibe somebody, <laughs> you know, you can just be like, oh, strawberry. Look at that. There's a lemon. <laughs> I I love that. I mean, I look, I actually think that's a great place to end because in a weird way, it's like, I feel like so much of this conversation and we had no, we had no agenda, which is what I love about you. Um, but so much of this conversation really kind of has become like, what's our soul mission? Like, what's our purpose of being here during this time of change? It's like, how can we look at ourselves and just... I mean, for lack of better words, like worry about yourself. What can you do to step into your power so we can start seeing the changes around us? And I think it's beautiful and it keeps going back to love. And like you said earlier, learn to love yourself first and then watch how that emanates and then how you can hold the neutrality for people around you, whether it's your immediate relationship or just society as a whole. Definitely. The and world. And, you know, the human human mind will want to find a consensus, you know, especially like you know, on Instagram or whatever, like what's the best diet? And, you know, let's talk about what's, you know, let's talk about the scientific <laughs> facts, you know, what's the best diet? What's the best way to do this? What's the best way to do that? And it's like this whole like 
crowd mentality. Like all of a sudden everybody's cold plunging, you know, or everybody's, it's like, we're all individual life forms, billions of us, completely different. Like, why would you think you could find a consensus in anything? Like, it's not. I that. preach this all the time. You do. Yeah. Yeah. So I do. Cause I agree with you where it's like, what works for me is not necessarily going to work for you. And by the way, what worked for me three years ago may not even work for me anymore. I mean, it's exactly, it's very individual it's, and it's yeah, but people have very strong opinions. Yeah. But see that comes right from like, wrong. if you're feeling really judgmental about something it's, or you're feeling, feeling the need to like, you know, create an ism or some truth doctrine. Um, you're trying to like assuage your fear of death. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, that's really, it all comes down to fear of death, everything. So, you know, going into that experience as a spiritual experience, exploring that, considering hmm, what happens, you know, um, allows you to live a more vibrant life. And, and really the only thing there is, is the celebration of life and you're not better and you're not worse than any other life form. So it doesn't matter mm. what your choice of experiences. And some of my friends, I have a couple of friends who have loved ones who are homeless and that's been a super big challenge. You know, they, they have years of trying to fix the situation or get involved or help or whatever. And it's like, in these cases, it's the choice of the life form. Like the life form is chosen mm-hmm. to be there. And so these individuals have had to find this equanimity, you know, of understanding that their life of being successful in society is not better in the eyes of the divine than someone homeless. The sun is shining without cessation on every life form. Yes. And that's such a beautiful thought. And it is so true. And one that I think most of us do not practice on a daily basis. Equanimity. It's hard. Mm -hmm. I think people think they do, but to truly go into your own consciousness and think, am I holding any judgments? Like, I mean, the homeless thing is a perfect example. Like, am I in some subconscious way feeling that I am above um, or better or or not or a judgment of how this person is living their life? And I think people do it a lot. And it's a beautiful reminder that there is not, there's nobody or anything that is above or below, whatever the choices are that are transpiring. Yeah. And it's also so exhausting. I mean, it's, and it's also not productive. (laughs) It's like that you would have to spend your energy judging another person or like analyzing or like, it's just, it's, it's not productive. It's kind of goes back to simplicity, two simple rules, golden rule, treat people as you would like to be treated. And then the other grandma, like, keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> That's the deep wisdom drop. Just those. Frankly, I love it. It's like, we have this great esoteric conversation, but we're going to leave you with that. Like treat people how you want to be treated and keep your hands to yourself. It's fucking fantastic. It's so good. I so always enjoy talking to you. And I really do want to tell people to go check out your other episodes with us as well. Especially we did the one that you were talking about that financial episode, which is number 155 which was coming at a time during the pandemic where people were freaking the fuck out, understandably. 
and really financially freaking out. Um, and it, it's all there. And you talk about your amazing transformation and real deep devotion and belief system, which helped you get out of a really, really dark scenario of times um, about money. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an am amazing episode as well. And you're always just I've said this before, like your beauty literally not just emanates from you, but emanates with every word that you speak. And that I'm always in awe of. And just, I think it's part of the reason I'm so attracted to always talking to you because I'm just like, yes, let the beauty like just come over me. And I so appreciate it. Oh, Tal, thank you. That's very, very sweet of you to reflect that back to me. Um, I think. No, it's, it's true. It's part of my life print. It's something that is, um, accumulation of many lifetimes of chanting mantra and there is something there that comes through the word and um, I never know what it is until I'm in the moment but it is connected to that emotion like I feel deeply when I'm sharing whatever the wisdom is, that is brought up um, so again those two things are the secret it's the secret sauce it's aligning with who you are and then using that emotion so for, for others, we're, we're all unique individuals. Again, everybody has something very special to share. And, um, and can, I, um, can I just tell everyone about Shrimu, about my plant-based cheese company? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe we didn't even talk about it. After all this, yes, the best cheese, cheese there is. I'm such a good entrepreneur. Like I go on these podcasts and they just talk about spirituality and then I don't talk about my company or the cheese, <laughs> which is how I love it. But I mean, just I'll just tell you like the just please the, do because it's notes. amazing. So uh, Shrimu, uh, Do Life Not Cheese is a, an artisanal plant-based collection of what I call the next evolution of cheese. Um, it is universal. So it is an invitation to everyone to join us um, at a seat at our table. It is paleo, plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free, keto, raw. Um, and it is made with sacred intention. And delicious. Delicious. Um, infused with this energy um, that you ha may have felt during the share a really my true sincere prayer to um, assist people to remember who they are and uh, knowing that if we all can embody our true unique life print, we will spontaneous bless, spontaneously bless everyone in creation. Um, I am a cheese lover. I spend a lot of time in Europe. I have a lot of ties to Europe and Paris and France, fr sorry, Paris, France, and also Italy um, and all over Europe. Um, but I didn't want to give up my love of cheese. Uh, I just made it better for us. So it's better for your body. It's better for our animals. It's better for the planet. And it doesn't have any of the gooey, what am I eating, gross vegan cheese experience. The ingredients are nope. pure. <laughs> and, um, and it's primarily a subscription offering. So you have like 10 different boxes to choose from. It's delivered um, next day air in, a, you know, in an ice pack cold delivery um, you can freeze the wheels for months at a time, and they thaw out beautifully after just an hour um, out of the freezer. Uh, but they are heroes to cheese boards. They up-level your cooking in an instant to a five-star experience. So you can make risottos or fettuccine alfredos or um, tacos or um, meatless balls, many, many, many things. And we have recipes on our website. So I would like to give you a code 
um, if you're listening. Yes, please. It. And so um, we're going to go ahead and give you, um, should we just do DEN18? Um, D-E-N-18. Den 18, I love it. Yeah. And it'll give you 18% off any one of the products. Um, we all, we do subscriptions. So we deliver every other month, every month or every three months, or you can also get a one-time box over the holiday, but um, you must order by certain dates in order to get the boxes for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so don't wait, go on the site and put your order in. Um, so that we can uh, deliver the most amazing plant-based experience, cheese experience to your home or office. And let me say to what you're saying, it's vegan cheeses can be tough and you guys have so superseded all of that, but not only with the taste, it's there's usually if you're looking for a vegan cheese, you can go get like a slice or this. It's rare that if you're like you said, where you want to sit and like enjoy your cheese, if you're talking to someone or it's part of a party or a cheese board, that has been like nowhere except for you. I feel like you guys have not only done it, it's beautiful and it tastes great. And that's just rare because normally, like you said, there's not a wheel or a beautiful, you know, brie or something that, you know, makes you feel like you're partaking in that experience that is such a sensual, you know, give and take. And I feel like you guys are the only ones on the market and it's fine because you're also amazing at it and brilliant. And so that's something I want people to understand. It's not just going to the supermarket where you find the few choices of a vegan cheese. This is like up leveled beyond. Thank you so much. Yeah. And the other thing is the it's true. Rich, it's Rich, true. Thank you very much. Rich was pointing this out that um, the flavor profiles of our different flavors are very vast. Like, you know, a lot of vegan cheese, if you just see the label, it kind of all tastes bland, sort of the same. But my flavor profiles are quite lively. So you really do get this really beautiful culinary experience. Um, in the cheese. And I do want to love that you have recipes. Yeah, we have a lot, a lot really amazing ones on the site. Um, and, um, we are actually, uh, moving our production facility to Memphis, Tennessee. So I'm going into a vertical community there and I'm opening up my first Shrimu and wine cafe. So Shrimu is a wine pairing that is out of this world and um, if you don't drink, it's beautiful with kombucha or, you know, any kind of natural elixir. But <clears throat> it's truly uh, just the next level experience. And uh, we're, we're very honored to be um, communing with our online subscription community in this manner. And um, it's always a joy. That's to a big deal. People. It's a big deal, right? I know. Really yeah. Cool. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. You were not. Oh my gosh. We're I was shockingly back. enough. Isn't that weird? Come, will you come back home and visit me? <laughs> I mean, I, I left when I was three and a half. So I've always wanted to go because okay. I was like, I want to see where I was. I've never, I haven't been since. So yes, I will absolutely come visit oh, you. Good. Awesome. Maybe we can do It'll a yoga workshop. Beautiful. There. Yeah, it's a it's a vertical I community. It has artists in residency. It has a listening live listening vinyl library of sixty thousand vinyls. It's got performance theaters. It's got uh, refugee owned cafes, prison reform staff pizzeria. It's it's rocking, and they won they won the uh, architecture award, the AIA award last year. So I'm honored. It's going to be an amazing space. So anyway, that's really great. And you guys can follow me at Srimati in order to know what I'm doing. And the Shrimu Do Life is on Instagram at Shrimu Do Life or S-R-I-M-U dot com. Okay.
<laughs> I think that's it. Amazing. And no, everyone stay tuned because I want her to offer a personal practice and you never want to miss that because it's always something that you can you know do throughout your week and really see what resonates for you. Mm. But thank you. I mean, you are always such a beautiful, beautiful soul for everyone. And I mean, you are you know, you, you live by what you teach and I really appreciate that. And I feel, I feel very honored to learn from you at all times. So thank you so much. Tall, bless you. Namaste. Beautiful. Okay. Time we've been waiting for. Here's the code for Shrimu cheese. And again, you don't want to miss this. This cheese is elegant. It is beautiful. You can put it on any cheese board and be proud, but it is plant-based and with beautiful ingredients, not that gross shit that's actually not good for you. Beautiful, beautiful, organic, gorgeous ingredients. Do not miss. And you're getting this amazing code, DEN18, that's capital D-E-N 18 for 18% off. Go grab your cheese. Enjoy. So now Shimati is going to lead us and teach us a technique on how to embody presence. All right. So let's just bring our awareness into this present space. And as we begin to coalesce all of our energy into a single point in time, let's start to ride on our breath as we start to take long, deep, fluid inhales, pausing at the top, and then a long, fluid fluid deep exhale, pausing again at the bottom. So just allow yourself to continue to breathe in this manner as we just arrive here into this time space together. It doesn't matter that we're separated by miles, time, countries, geography. We can be together here in this moment as you listen to the sound of my voice and as you start to relax your physical body to arrive here in this time space. And as you inhale and exhale, you are feeling more aligned, more embodied, and more present. And on your next inhale, Feel your energy field starting to expand beyond your physical body. And as you exhale, feel the amplification increase as you relax and allow for more prana, more life force, more light to interact with your energy field. And again, inhaling just gently through the nose and finding yourself at the top and pausing just for a moment, feeling the drop in the gap. And now exhaling, relaxed, releasing the breath down, maybe gently pulling your belly in towards your spine. Let's pause dropping into the gap. And now just let your breath go. And take your awareness into your heart, in the place where you first feel the inkling of feeling. And take your awareness into this single point and see a portal with a doorway 
that is waiting there for you to open. It can be whatever knob, whatever latch you see. It's unique to you. Go ahead and reach your right hand forward. And as you're ready, let's open that portal. Feel the initiation of the movement come from your heart, from that inkling. And open that door wide. Now, just before you commit to your heart's deepest desires, I want you to take a look around in your mind's eye. Kind of take an assessment of the outer scape, events, people, experiences. This is the outer world. It might seem very busy to you, very crowded. Or there may be one or just a few symbolic objects, people, things. Now make sure that you're really ready. Are you really ready to enter into the chamber of your innermost heart? To feel what you have left waiting for you to be discovered until this point in time. Take your time. Take a few more breaths. Make sure that you're really ready. And if you feel that you are, go ahead and drop in. Now, as you drop in, feel yourself being taken to the center of a spiral where you find the path the pattern along which you will discover things you have left. So as you traveled in, you actually arrived in the center of the spiral. So take a moment here. Connect in with your heart where you first feel. Then as you're ready, let's start the journey to walk out of the spiral. But as you walk, see yourself in your mind's eye, moving your body before your limb takes a step. So consider that your mind or thought is a little bit ahead of your physical body. And continue to walk through the rings of the spiral, around and around, slowly passing by and recognizing certain symbols and things that you have left here waiting for your discovery. And as you spiral out around three rings and four rings, and five rings. 
and six rings, you will come to the mouth of the spiral, the entry point. And in your mind's eye, turn around and gaze upon your sacred spiral, the sacred spiral of your own heart that carries the journeys, the pathways, the symbol codes, the signs to lead you into your truest heart's expression. The spiral is here for you. You don't have to rush. You can open the portal and go back into the spiral at any time in meditation and explore, note, journal, and discover the treasures that are waiting there for you. So bringing your hands into prayer, let's bow and recognize the spiral as divine, as a powerful intelligence that is ready to co-create with you. And so let's start to bring our awareness to our breath and start to feel yourself returning back into your physical body. Notice the stillness, the peace, the nourishment, and the comfort that you received from this short visualization and meditation. Feeling yourself grounded in your body. When you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back into your current time and space. This technique is similar to what I offer on Water Tiger. It is a living sphere of techniques that supports you in traveling deeper into the essence of who you are. You are needed, you are valued, and you are loved. And so it is.